Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are moving along in this very instructive list of qualities that every child of God needs to see operating in his life in order to overcome the difficulties and sufferings which we will all endure if we are sincere followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we are going to be fruitful in our labor for him, as we all desire to be, but sometimes our ignorance, sometimes our Carelessness, sometimes our sinfulness, sometimes our selfishness will keep us from being effective and fruitful. And so there are certain qualities that, if they are present and operating in our lives, will enable us to overcome the difficulties of life and to be fruitful and effective in our labors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're a sincere follower of Christ, you want to know what these qualities are. You say, I want them. I need them. Please tell me about them. Please help me develop them because I want to be a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come to this list of nine. Purity, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, the Holy Spirit, sincere love, the word of truth, the power of God, the armor of righteousness. Those are the nine. They're found in verses 6 and 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we have looked now in some detail at the first six. So we've got three to go. In other words, we've covered two-thirds of them. And now we've got the last three to address, and we'll do that, Lord willing, as we continue on this Thursday, February 9, enabled to do so because... Some of our radio listeners are helping us with the substantial cost to pay the airtime in order to teach God's Word on this station that you are listening to right now. Quality number seven is the Word of Truth. Again, verse six, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, You've got six in verse six, and then you have three in verse seven, and the first of the three is by the word of truth. By the word of truth. Now, yesterday we talked on the broadcast about the fact that there are a few different words for love in the New Testament. Not a huge list, not a long, long, long list of different words for love, but there are several. 
the most common being agape. Most people know that. But also there is phileo, which is more of a fondness, uh, an affectionate kind of love. And that one is often coupled with other words to make a compound, such as phileo plus brother, adelphos, gives you philadelphos, from which we get our word Philadelphia. In the United States, a city that was founded by Quakers because of their emphasis upon brotherly love, and they really did emphasize that and demonstrated it to a great degree and named their primary city in the state of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And that is exactly what Christians are to show one to another, brotherly love. We are to show love to all men, even as our Lord taught us to love our enemies, But we can't demonstrate brotherly love to our enemies because they're not our brothers. At least not in the highest form, the spiritual sense of being brothers and sisters in Christ. So, there is a special love that must be shown from one Christian to another. By this, this brotherly love, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, said Jesus, if you have love one for another. Brotherly love. So we have agape, we've got Philadelphia, phileo, and then coupled, combined with other words, Philadelphia, and sometimes it's coupled with other other nouns as well. And and one word that is not found in the New Testament, but is very common in, in the Greek language, particularly in that first century, is the Greek word eros, and that's where we get the word erotic. And so they had a word for that that was that is sometimes translated love. And many times in the world in which we live, when people use the word love, what they mean is an erotic love. We talk about making love. And that doesn't have to be a... a um, a sinful thing, an immoral thing at all. It's it's certainly not. Between married people, it's a wonderful thing, a God-designed thing, a God-ordained thing, a God-commanded exercise. We are commanded to have sexual relationships with our, our spouse. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 carefully. And the Bible tells us that that marriage is honorable in everything, including the physical relationship, the conjugal relationship. Marriage is honorable in all. And the bed, that is the marriage bed, is undefiled. There's nothing wrong with the sexual activity that takes place in the marriage bed. In fact, that's exactly the way God designed marriage to include that. That's certainly not the totality of marriage by any means, but that's part of it. It, Marriage is supposed to include that, and, and the inclusion of that kind of intimacy is one of the things that God uses to help us build strong marriages. There's a there's a bond, there's an intimacy that is that is created and developed and maintained as we continue to have that kind of relationship. And so the idea of eros, erotic love, has a very legitimate place in the design of God. And for Married couples to make love is perfectly appropriate and God-honoring. But so many times when we hear that word used in 
society today, it's of people who are not married. And we know what they're talking about. They say making love, but it's not really love as the Bible defines it, because there is often no giving of oneself. It's it's all selfishness. It's what I get out of this. I I want someone to give me sexual pleasure. That's all I want. That's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking to to love anybody in the biblical sense of sacrificing for them, giving to them, serving them, helping them. No, none of that. I just want to enjoy sexual pleasure. I just want to make love and then get out of here without any responsibilities. Well, that's the way it's often used. Now, that's why the first word in this list is by purity. If we are going to be good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to get that kind of so-called love out of our lives. No place for that in the life of a child of God. But the point I was driving at was this. Even as there are different words for love in the New Testament, there are also different words for word. (laughs) And we've come to a phrase here, equality, that we are supposed to have in our life as a Christian that is translated as the word of truth. And there are several different words for word in the Bible, but again, this is the most common one. Most of you will recognize this word as as soon as I pronounce it. This is the Greek word logos, a word, a message, a proclamation, a communication. And it is a it is a broad word. It has so much that it communicates if we take the time to study how it's used in the Bible. That is the word that is one of the names or titles, I would say names, for Jesus Christ. The one that John uses in his gospel, when he opens that gospel. Matthew opens his gospel, first with a genealogy, and then starts talking about the birth of Christ, beginning with Joseph and his part in that, and goes on to other elements of the birth of Christ. A good place to begin a gospel, which is an account of the life and ministry of Christ. It it would seem normal to start with his birth. Matthew does. Luke does. Luke starts with the birth of Christ. In fact, Luke gives the account that is probably the most familiar account of all. In the days of Caesar Augustus, there went out a decree that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to be taxed to in his own city, and Joseph was of the city of David and went, went to Bethlehem to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, who was great with child, and so forth. Now, that actually takes place in Luke chapter 2, after we've already learned about the virgin conception. All of that precedes that in chapter 1. So, Matthew starts with the birth of Christ. Luke starts with the birth of Christ. Mark starts with the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, So this is some 30 years after the birth of Christ, and 30 years and six months, the same same time as however is, however, whatever time is the 
actual time of the of the age of Jesus when he started his ministry, add six months to it, and you've got the same age for John the Baptist, except six months older. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, and Mark starts there. That's a good place to begin if you're going to give a history of the ministry of Christ. He chooses not to start with his birth, probably because most scholars believe that Mark actually was a was had a close relationship with Matthew and probably received much of the information which he recorded from Matthew Matthew was was an apostle Mark was not and so he probably in writing his gospel assumed that his readers would already have benefit of Matthew's account so he didn't repeat what Matthew had told about the birth of Christ he starts with the ministry of John the Baptist, preparing the way. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, and so forth. But that leaves us now one more gospel, and that is John. Where does John begin? Well, John begins at the beginning. You say, well, I thought Matthew and Luke began at the beginning, and and the other two gospels didn't begin at the beginning. Oh, no, John actually begins at the very beginning, the beginning of the beginning. When he starts out his gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Going back to creation. And without him was not anything made that was made. The Word of God was with God and was God. Lagos. And we read in verse 14 of John 1, And the Word, same word, Lagos, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lagos, Word, is a name for Jesus Christ. Well, we find it here. One of the qualities that we must have is the Word of truth. And we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Please join me then. Until then, good day. May God give you his eternal peace.